Welcome to another episode of What They Aren't Telling You with Melissa Floyd. I am here today with a special guest that many of you will know as being part of this audience. Um, This is somebody who has made a name for himself with his content he's created uh, on PragerU and his own video content, his own podcast. Today we are talking with Will Witt. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I kind of wanted, like I told you uh, in our in our email exchanges, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about you. So I know a lot of times you're interviewing somebody or you are discussing your different views specifically, but I kind of wanted to go into a little bit about you because I don't know how often you really get the opportunity to do that. And I'm sure your listeners, my listeners would really like to kind of know what has brought you to the place that you are today with, with what you're doing. So my first question for you is, at what point, I always find this interesting because I feel like people's past basically leads them, you know, onto their path, uh, their belief system. So I want to know at what point do you first remember having an interest in politics and then that aligning with conservative views? First time I really had an interest in politics is when I became a conservative and that was in my sophomore year of college. I was never a political person before that at all. I never really even thought about it my freshman year of college. I mean, I wouldn't even be able to tell you the differences between a Republican and a Democrat. I wouldn't be able to tell you what socialism was, anything like that. And now I, you know, funnily enough, go out and give speeches about all these different topics and do all of that. So it was a huge change for everyone in my family, everyone in my life. We're like, Will, you were never a political person at all. I was just like, yeah, I wasn't. But, you know, when you kind of wake up and see what's going on behind the scenes and you're like, wow. Like there is a lot of things happening here and I want to be a part of making it better. And so would you have considered yourself aligning more with liberal views kind of growing up, just your mainstream, just your peers, your social circle, like as far as what you were believing in, kind of maybe even subconsciously? Um, I think there were parts of it that I was liberal and parts that I was conservative. I feel like I did have a lot of common sense values that would be labeled as conservative. Um, But then I guess I did live more liberally. You know, I wasn't a very conservative person, I guess you could say in that sense. Um, But again, I mean, I was like, in terms of just thinking about it, I actually hated politics. I thought, you know, I was like, oh, none of this stuff matters. And we don't even need to worry about it. It's all a joke. And, you know, politics is dumb. That's what I used to think all the time. And so for me to like switch and, and actually become like a very conservative person and be doing the role that I do now, it's like, it was a very big change for me. Well, and I think it aligns kind of with, um, part of the foundation of conservative values, which we'll go into later, that has to do with that responsibility. But I think you're right. I mean, a lot of young people don't tend to get interested in politics or they think they are. Like, I see a lot of young people who think they're like so super involved in politics, like they're showing up at the BLM protests and they think they're like doing their part, getting involved and trying to make change. But to me, that's a lot more passive because I think in a lot of cases, they don't even know what they're actually doing, what they're fighting for, what they're standing for. They're just doing it because everybody's doing it, which is not the same thing as getting involved in politics for the sake of understanding how the system works, understanding where your belief system lies and where you play a role in executing that. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. I mean, I was reading an article this morning where some universities, they're making these, you know, social justice classes or ethnicity classes. They're now required for graduating for, you know, uh, like general courses. So now they're continuing to brainwash and um, 
basically indoctrinate these students all across America, which has been happening. And now students won't even have a choice really in the matter. So of course, when these students are only getting this from the universities, from social media, from their friends around them, uh, their professors, whatever it may be, Hollywood stars that they look up to, then of course they're going to have very shallow opinions and very shallow beliefs and go to any of these things because it's the socially acceptable thing to do. You know, if you don't post a black square, you are an immoral person or you don't care about black people because you didn't post a black square, you know, or any other sort of whatever trend like that is. So they do it because it makes them feel good about themselves and they feel like they're a part of the larger group that is the acceptable point of view. And I do see a lot of people, I mean, peer approval is so important. People don't realize how important that is to young adults, teenagers, young adults, that people are so willing to change their behavior, change their ideology, change their belief system just to be accepted, exactly like you're mentioning the Blackout Tuesday. I did an episode all about virtue signaling. And I see this all over the place, whether it's wearing a mask or putting the black square on your Instagram. People are so needy of that peer approval that they will be willing to, even if they don't even understand what they why they believe in it, they'll just jump into the action step because that is easier than having to deal with the pushback of somebody saying you're doing something different or you're an outlier. Like this entire podcast is basically set up to discuss the unpopular opinion, an evidence-based unpopular opinion. But it's so uncomfortable for people to be there. It's so uncomfortable to be the outlier, to be different, to not be accepted, especially in your youth, especially, you know, going through that high school and college years. Uh, for you, obviously, you're, you're kind of taking that position, but you're doing so very confidently. Does this come back to, were you always this way? Like if we, we look at you when you were a kid and as a child, like were you always curious about things, wanted to know both sides, wanted to explore different aspects of everything? Was that always kind of in your nature? It was funny because I had an older brother and my older brother was very charismatic and outgoing and very talkative and would do, you know, over the top kind of things kind of like I do now. And I was always actually very shy and reserved. And and he, everyone thought that he would probably be the one to be in my position now. And now, he, now he's the one doing something more low key. And I'm the one on the front pages of all these different things, you know, putting myself out there. So I wasn't always, you know, confident in things like I am now. But I was always very interested in learning. Uh, I hated school, but I loved to learn. So I mean, I read all the time. I was always researching things. That, that was fun for me. So I've always been very interested in, in finding out the truth and getting to the bottom of things. And I think that's kind of an important thing. Like I'm the same way. And um, I think that's important for anybody. You can come to whatever conclusions that you want to come to. But in the end, it's important to have the information on both sides before you come to that decision. And I think especially with what's going on right now, there's only one side that's given. There's only one side that's acceptable. There's only one side that's allowed, like elevate black voices, but not these black voices or discuss politics, but not this side of politics. Oh, I mean, that's 100 percent true. I mean, just yesterday, Prager, you got our account suspended off of Twitter for posting a video that that Twitter basically didn't agree with. You know, it was a video from Dr. Emanuel at that White Coat Summit. Right. And we got our account suspended unless we deleted that video. And it's like, you know, these these social media platforms claim to be free speech for all and platforms for that uh, open platforms where you can come and speak your mind. But they're obviously not that they're a publishing tool with editorial control. And they've, they've shown that time and time again, they're biased against conservatives. And so, you know, the, the media, the news information, I mean, it used to be that you could go out and people were smart enough to say, OK, 
this opinion is on here. Maybe I like this, but maybe I want to do some more research on it. Or maybe I don't like this and I don't agree with it. And I can comment on it and say I don't agree. Or maybe I do really like this and I agree. Now you go on social media and you only get to see one opinion. So then how do you expect people to ever, you know, have a differing point of view? They're not allowed to make their own choices, really. There, it's almost like a sense, in a sense, like a, a mind control because people aren't allowed to see a different point of view. So, of course, they're going to align with the only point of view that they see, especially going back to the social implications and wanting to be liked by your peers. If everyone else is seeing that same video or that same post and all and everyone else is going with it, of course, you're going to go with it, too. So it's a really scary thing. I agree. And then also when you look at people who do try to present the other side of the argument, if their sources are not the same ones that somebody else listens to, whether that be CNN or whatever, the New York Times, whatever they think is like a valid source, even if those sources are completely leaning in one direction and do back things like industry, which try to get the message out through that kind of media, then those sources aren't considered valid. You know, you hear that a lot from people. So you'll present the other side of the argument and they'll be like, oh my gosh, is this Bloomberg? Like, I'm, that doesn't count. That's fake news. And it's like, they'll literally disregard an entire side of the argument because it's not coming from CNN. But obviously CNN has its own direction. So it's already showing one side of the argument. It's not going to show the other side because like you're saying, news is no longer objective. It's clearly everything to me, in, in my opinion, is an editorial today when it comes to media. What's well, all ad hominem attacks? I mean, I, I po I'll post a video where, you know, I did one where I talked about uh, gun statistics and I was asking people in, uh, what was it, Pasadena Community College? I think that's where it was. Anyway, Pasadena Community College, and I'm asking them about gun safety and can is there such a thing as a good guy with a gun? I'm using tons of stats and things. And this video did very well, but, you know, people on the left who see this video or people who don't agree, it's all just personal attacks on me or PragerU. They say, you know, Oh, this video is from PragerU and they're all nonsense or Will Witt, you know, you know him, that conservative propaganda guy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like all the things that I said are backed up. Right. You know, they're all from statistical. Some, I mean, they're from unbiased government statistics from just crime data. You know, it's right on there. You can look it up yourself. It's right there. But just because it comes from me or comes from a PragerU, then of course people are like, oh, no, of course it can't be that. So, yeah, it's very difficult because they don't actually attack the ideas. They either silence you. They delete your content or they attack you personally. They don't ever actually come after your ideas and try to debate you on that front. But it's because they don't have to. They control the cultural lexicon. They control all these different institutions. There's no need for them to attack your ideas if they can just as easily shut them down. That's true. And that's something I've been fighting for several years and kind of what I do. And a lot of everything I say is you want to argue me, argue me on my content. Show me where my content is wrong. Don't sit there and try to argue the, you know, you don't agree with this particular expert, even though he's an epidemiologist in Sweden. Oh, because you don't like the the anti-lockdown approach that they took. So therefore, he doesn't count. He's still a state epidemiologist. He still has his expert credentials, but that doesn't count. So instead of actually arguing the content, is it true? Is there a possibility that lockdown wasn't necessary to control a virus that has a certain virus cycle? Is that can we just have that discussion and have that conversation? Why does it need to be instantly attacking, oh, that quack doctor, or just like they did with the um, the doctors at the summit. These are quack doctors, even though they're medical doctors, because they simply don't agree with what they're saying. And that's not the same thing as arguing somebody on what they're talking about or the content of their discussion. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. A lot of those doctors that were at that white coat summit, you know, were 
board certified medical professionals, people who I've talked to. I mean, right. Dr. Bob Hamilton, I did an interview with Dr. Simone Gold. I did an interview with, you know, these are people who have really been there and seen the thick of this virus and have information to back up what they're saying, you know, and it, it's just crazy that, that you can have a difference of opinion, just have it be completely shut down, wiped off the internet because these people want you to. And if may, it, it was sad for me yesterday going through all this and seeing how they were hurting us on social media because I felt very powerless. You know, it's like just in the blink of an eye, you can just be gone and that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. And it's really scary time. It is. And at this stage of the game with everything that's going on, I'm kind of seeing this. I want to know if you see this too. Are you seeing a growing group of young conservatives as a result of kind of what's going on? And a follow-up to that is, do you think that people are kind of afraid to admit that they don't agree with Democrats and maybe they do align with conservatives, but they're afraid to come out for fear of backlash? Yeah, I, I have I have different opinion on this uh, that, you know, some people don't like, but I, I'll tell you what it was for me. You know, when I was becoming a conservative, and doing things. I never backed down on my opinion. I was always incredibly strong on my opinion. Of course, people wanted to shut me down and they hated me, but you know, screw them in my opinion. And it's like, these people are going to hate you anyway. So you might as well stand up for what you believe in. I feel like the whole, you know, I'm a conservative and, and if I say what I believe in, people are going to hate me for it. It's kind of been played out a little bit. People need to just start being confident about what they believe in and going out there and saying it. It's like this, the, the, Oh, what's the bean company? Goya, you know, this Goya Foods comes out. And, you know, I talk to tons of companies and people every day saying, I'm too scared to come out as a conservative. This Goya company comes out, says, I'm a conservative and I support Donald Trump. And look at the amount of support that they got from people. Like it was tons and tons of people coming out and buying their products and business was now booming for them because they came out and said what they believe in. People have to stop being so scared about standing up. You have to stand up for what you believe in or things will continue to get worse. I, I agree. And I see that with the doctors that have come out and spoken against, you know, the COVID narrative that when you see one or two, like I had Dr. Scott Jensen, who's Minnesota state senator on this podcast. Um, and he, you know, being one of these people who comes out saying, well, actually, my data is not really matching up with what they're saying. And this recording of the death certificates is not ethical. And and then they launch a medical board investigation against him because he stood stood back and was on Fox News and talking about this. And he did this video that ended up going viral about talking about that that um, investigation, saying, here's my data. Here's the evidence that backs up every single thing I said. Now, if they can go after me, they can go after you, too. And then they just recently dropped the charges two days ago. And, you know, I, I told him this is so good for you to make it so visible, because when you stand out, other people are able to stand with you. And when there are only a handful of people stepping forward, they're a lot easier to attack. But if more people stepped forward, then more people would join those ranks. And then that group would be a lot harder to break down. Oh, yeah, we definitely have to unify. I mean, even just in the conservatives, you know, I hate use, even using this term conservative movement, quote unquote, um, there's like already still so much division between people. And there's not a I talked about this on my podcast, actually, about two weeks ago, that conservatives don't have a clear vision for America. We don't have a plan. We don't have anything that we say, OK, this is what we want to happen in 10 years. Every single thing we do is just a fight against the left. And so thus we're using the left's arguments and every single thing that we push forward which is a really unfortunate thing because it means conservatives can't come together and really make a clear plan or agree on anything because we're always battling against the next leftist thing that's happening. And then we don't have any sort of plan to motivate young people and people who are, you know, maybe might've been like me as a young 
person growing up in college or you know not knowing much how 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 am i supposed to feel motivated about conservatism when they don't have anything necessarily to give me and say this is what we want to have it as our future you know conservatives say oh we want you know morality like the 1950s or prosperity like the 1980s it's like i wasn't I wasn't all around then. I wasn't born in 1950s and 1980s. You're talking about a future that is only dependent on a past that I have no part in. The left says in 10 years, we want to get rid of fossil fuels. In 10 years, we want to have all the police to fund it. In 10 years, we want equality for trans people and all these other things, even though that's already true. But, you know, they say these kind of things. It's like they have a clear cut vision. So no wonder so many people are aligning with their mission because their goals and their aspirations are incredibly clear and concise and they know exactly what they want to do. We don't have that. That's actually such a good point. And I, in my last several months in in discussing with specifically black conservatives and learning this ideology and belief system, because I always considered myself a liberal, kind of going through life until maybe five or six years ago when um, I was more interested in parental rights and um, having freedoms, you know, as it relates to doctor-patient relationship and how Republicans were the ones that were aligning with that. So this is, I'm kind of relatively new to it, but understanding that to be conservative doesn't necessarily mean you always vote Republican. And those things don't always go necessarily hand in hand and that there was an entire group of people who had conservative values, but didn't necessarily have to line up politically on one extreme or the other. That was kind of interesting to me. But what you're saying makes so much sense that if you don't have the pro platform, like what are you for? What do you want? What do you want to see? Not just what are you against or what are you countering with what the other side is bringing to the table? That makes a lot of sense because how can you have that forward movement and that progression if you don't have that clear goal? And I, I'm not super familiar with the division that's, that's in there. Uh, is there something specific that, or a couple things that are specific where, where there is division within conservatives right now, within young conservatives? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a good example that just actually happened yesterday. I mean, you look at these, uh, you know, they had all the social media people come into Congress and they were being grilled. I'm not sure if you're familiar, this happened yesterday. Mm. About all these, um, they had a hearing, right, with these different social media giants, Bezos and, and, uh, and Zuckerberg and some other people were all being grilled in there. And the Republicans, a a memo came out saying that the Republicans were going to do this hearing, but that they weren't actually going to do anything about it. It was all for show, practically. And it's because these Republicans are basically in the back pocket of Google. You know, Mm -hmm. they're all getting paid off by Google and other tech companies, you know, these lobbyists coming in and paying them off. So they're not actually going to do anything, you know. And so I talked about this yesterday on on a video and I said, you know, we have to fight back against these kind of quote unquote conservatives, just as hard as we would fight against the left, because these people don't represent our values either. They claim to represent our values. They claim to be for free speech and be for us, but they're not at all. They're not at all. They get, you know, tax breaks uh, for big corporations so that they can ship all of our American jobs overseas, making it so that we're hollowing out the middle of America. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what these kind of Republicans are doing. That's not the kind of Republican Party that I want or the kind of conservative that I stand with. I stand for people who who want to bring jobs back to America and who actually put the American people first. And this kind of brings back to the whole idea that politicians are corrupt no matter what side of the aisle that you're on, especially career politicians. And this should be a discussion as a society we should be having as far as term limits and these people that have been in, you know, in politics for like 20 years, 30 years. They are absolutely doing what you're saying. They are they are pandering to the industry lobbyists and they are creating legislation that serves them, not the people they're supposed to represent. So just because they have Republican on their name badge is not going to necessarily mean anything as it relates to standing up for what people want and even really honoring what 
what their party stands for. Because once you get into politics for so long, I mean, it's it's like House of Cards, right? Like, like at first when I watched that, it's kind of like, oh, this is an exaggeration. Then after a while, you're like, you know what? Maybe it's not. Like, maybe this is actually real life. Like, yeah. things are so corrupt on both sides of things. The game of politics has to change. Not just the party, the game that they're in. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, that's why the conservative movement, again, has to have a, a clear message because these politicians are coming in and they're thinking of things down the line that might last, you know, six months, mm. a year, almost at most. And they're not looking for a plan that's like 50 years in the future, you know, something to set up our children or our children's children. They're not really thinking of that, you know. So it's very important that that we create that plan, at least in like a, if not in a Congress level, because they're not doing anything, at least at least on a grassroots level where people are coming around a certain ideology and saying, this is what we want. It's not just a defense anymore. We are on the attack and we are pushing for this. Well, and one thing I really like about conservatism is this ideology of self-accountability and personal responsibility. These are two things I really like about it. I, I talked with Major Williams, who's running for governor of California. I talked to him um, a couple weeks ago, and we talked a lot about this. And in your opinion, from what you've seen and kind of your belief system, do you think that those two, th what do you, first of all, what do you think about those two things as they relate to the conservative values, like self-accountability, personal responsibility? How important are those things and how have they added value to your own life? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, it's hard to say that necessarily individual personal responsibility is only a conservative value. I wish that it would just be a a human nature value. I think inherently we don't have personal responsibility. I think that it's something that has to be taught. It's a it's a skill actually that you have to practice and get better at. You know, it's not something that just inherently comes when you decide to say, oh, I, I'm voting Republican now. You know what I mean? Right. It's like something beyond that. And I think it's incredibly important. It's honestly probably one of the most important things that that makes the conservative, at least a new conservative platform go. And it was something that totally changed my life. You know, I used to my relationship with my family wasn't too good before and and I was kind of screwing up things in my life and I blamed other people or I didn't have a lot of responsibility and I kind of just, you know, woozy my way through through things I was doing. And then, you know, once I was like, well, I can't keep living like this, I started putting things that gave me happiness over things that gave me enjoyment which was a huge change in my life. Hmm. And with that, it made me have to take personal responsibility because putting things, again, this, this goes in again with a plan because when you're looking for happiness in your life, you're not looking for short-term solutions. When your enjoyment is a short-term solution to something, it's like going to a party instead of you know studying for the final or, or going and hanging out with friends who aren't good friends instead of calling your, your mom. So the things that give you happiness is, is a plan. It's not always the easy thing to do, but it takes responsibility and it's putting happiness above things that just bring you temporary enjoyment. And that completely changed my life when I started looking at that. And that's why I think I'm in the position that I am now in, in such a great position, you know, making these videos and having such a large audience is because I, I, I put those kind of values before. And that's what I aim to do within my life all the time. Yeah, and I think intention is so important and people don't think about that, but everything you do has to have intention. It has to be for the right reasons. It's not, and you might not always see the payback right away, but it comes when that intention is pure, when that intention is consistent, the payback comes because you're doing it for the right reasons. And this leads me into the next thing I wanted to ask you, which is what originally motivated you to kind of get involved on the, in the social media discussion on politics by making video content, which is what you do. What originally motivated you and what was your goal? Like what did behind everything, what was your goal in facilitating these discussions? I think when I'm asked this question, I usually say that, which I think is still 
holds true to this day. Because I went to a speech actually back, this is what, four years ago now? Maybe four years ago? Back in 2016 or so? Uh, it was before Donald Trump was getting elected during the whole time when things were just crazy in America with him running for president. And I went to a speech from uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, actually, um, regardless of what people think of him. It was a very, you know, the people in the audience were very inspired by the things that he was saying. Mm -hmm. I thought he said a lot of great things in his speech as well. And I saw how people got motivated after watching him and, and seeing what he did. I saw the videos of, of Ben Shapiro online and how people would motivate and get behind him. I saw Donald Trump doing it and saw people get behind him. And then, you know, with that, seeing them do that, and then seeing all the problems that I realized going on in America, I was like, I want to be like that. I want to be one of these people who goes up there and motivates people and inspires people to live better lives and to, and to help fix these problems, right? That's part of the reason why I was never scared of anyone on the left or I never backed down from anything because I knew that the other people doing what I wanted to do were never scared of the left either. They wanted to stand up in every way that they could. So I always stood up. For what I believed in, and and I just wanted to to be a person in there to make other people's lives better through what I was saying, through what I was doing. I get that. And hopefully, I've accomplished that, and I want to keep doing it a lot more. So yeah, that's amazing. So so then, on that note, what has been your favorite part so far of your involvement? Oh man, there's been a lot of great times, a lot of not so great times <laughs> <laughs> as well. Um. Uh, things that stick out to me, I mean, making my first mini documentary was really cool. Again, like I dropped out of college to, to go and work for, for PragerU and do what I do now. So being able to, you know, direct and star and, and produce my own mini documentary with PragerU, Fleeing California, which came out in February. You guys can check that out at PragerU.com. Was, that was just such an unbelievable experience to do, I, you know, having no training doing that. But being able to put something out that was so successful, I mean, millions and millions of views and totally changed the conversation on that issue it was so cool. And then my favorite video I probably ever did as well was when I went to the Navajo Nation and talked to the people who were there about things going on in their communities and cultural appropriation and stuff like that. And it was just like and it was just like irrefutable evidence that like the things that the left was saying was wrong, you know, that these people are not offended by these things that the left are claiming that they're offended by. It was irrefutable because it's straight from the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. I actually went to the reservation. They didn't go to the reservation. They just asked some college professors if people should be offended, you know, but I went there. So I always took take a lot of pride in being someone who, you know, there are lots of keyboard warriors on the left and the right. There's lots of people on Twitter who are conservatives who don't actually go and do things and just mm -hmm. talk about issues. I take a lot of pride in myself and that when it comes to things that are going on in the world, going on in issues, whatever it might be, I actually go to the source I make a documentary about it. I go and actually talk to the people who it's affecting. I, I reach out to the people who are experts in it. I don't just, you know, talk about it as a, again, keyboard warrior. I, I actually do it. So I take a lot of pride in that. And I think that that kind of thinking for me has made all these great experiences through my career really stand out. I love that. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I did some law enforcement interviews, uh, even though they were anonymous, so that they could be open and really have this honest discussion is I wanted to really know directly from these police officers, had they witnessed these types of racist acts on a regular basis? Is this the environment they've seen? And I've and I, I um, interviewed an officer that I um, she's part Native American and she works in Canada and talked about her experience and then talked with a biracial officer a few weeks ago and his experience being half white, half black and being in the middle of all this with all this tension. 
and this discussion, you have to go directly to the people. You can't just listen to the media's view of who they think they are. You really have to find that out directly so you can get more information. And like you're saying, go to the source of the issue and really um, bring that content to people so they can see it directly, which is not something that, that we get on the media anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you've been interviewing a lot of people. If you could interview one person, because I'm sure you have a, a list of people you want to get to and um, and a list of people you would love to interview, who would be somebody that would be on your list of somebody you'd, you would just love to interview? Well, right now we're working on, it's been very hectic, very busy. This is why I had to reschedule this. Uh, we're working on a new mini documentary about climate change, and this one's definitely going to make me a probably more enemies than I've made in all my other videos combined because we're calling people out by name about this whole kind of what we're calling it is like the new green religion. And I would love to to sit Al Gore down and ask him why he's allowed to make a movie with, I mean, literally tons and tons of false claims in it and then still be able to make a second movie and scare people and ruin people's lives. I would love to sit down with Al Gore and ask him that. And this is Inconvenient Truth, right? Yeah, the first one. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, he's made in the second one and everything. And it's like, how can you make that after you made a first movie that was so intellectually, you know, wrong? It was wrong on so many things. But now, he's, you know, he's still getting tons of money and still able to have his fear mongering and have people join his, quote unquote, you know, church of environmentalism, even though he was so wrong about everything. Same thing with the climate gate emails where they talk about all these different things that went on and how they forged the data to make false claims. Well, people still believe all these different things about climate change that the world's going to end in, in 12 years and all that. So sorry, going off on a tangent. But oh, no, no, but it's, it's interesting, though, what you're saying, because I think I, I remember watching that movie. It's. You know, it's hard. It's hard because when you watch it and it's presented a certain way and they have their quote experts saying it, it's believable. I mean, everything they're oh, saying yeah. is believable. And this is not just on this issue. It's on lots of different issues that this happens. I can see and, and I consider myself a very intellectually sound and rational person, um, an academic. You know, I went to UCLA. I was in the honors program. Like I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm a total person who can decipher data and information, which is why I do what I do already. But even for somebody like me, I would be like, well, isn't that true? Because I watched that movie. It all made sense. I can see how the average person who doesn't do their own research would have a really hard time. I mean, I haven't even gone into the subject really at all, but um, would have a really hard time deciphering between what's true and what isn't true. And if the majority of it says one thing, it's like you're going to end up believing that in the end. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a doctrine. I mean, people are they're literally professing their their new doctrine of this faith, which is in this this green church of environmentalism. It's like if you don't throw your plastic straw in the in the recycling bin, you're a worse person. So people have to follow these these tenets of this new faith. So people are very scared to go against it or speak out against it as well. So yeah, it's a it's a troubling thing. But it's totally fine to leave your disposable mask just in the gutter or in the ocean or oh, whatever, because I'm seeing those everywhere, right? Like the straw was a big deal, but now you've got these masks, trash everywhere just being left consistently for the sake of quote health right i mean it's just to me this is such a double standard um i know this whole thing makes me so mad i can't even get into it it's so frustrating i know and i know you're short on time so i want to um get to the last question um and maybe we can have you back on again if you don't mind um or would like to but if you could give a piece of advice so remind me how old are you 23. Okay, so you're obviously so super young and young to be doing everything that you're doing. There are a lot of people that might be in high school, coming out of high school and early college, and 
they're kind of at this place where maybe they want to make a difference. They want to understand what's going on. They're not sure what to believe. They want to also be accepted by their peers, but maybe something's not resonating with them with the messages that they're hearing. If you could offer a piece of advice to young people, basically, what would it be and what would you encourage them to do to either get involved or to take a role? Like, what would you, anybody that you really cared about, friend, family member, what would you actually encourage them to do considering where we are in the world right now? What is the most effective thing people can do and what do they need to do moving forward? They need to never sacrifice their values for anything or anyone. That's the most important thing you can do. Because again, like I said before, if you don't, if you cow to these people, you give in to the mob, whatever it may be, things will only get worse because then they feel like they can step all over you, which they can and they have done and they will continue to do unless you say something. You know, people ask me, you know, I'm gonna, I'm if I write a paper at my school, uh, my teacher asked me to write it about illegal immigration. I want to give a conservative point of view or use a Prager video as a source. I'll get a worse grade. I say take the worst grade. If you're gonna sacrifice your values for a grade, what else are you gonna sacrifice them for? You know, in every single situation, you have to stand up for what you believe in every single situation. You know, in America, we are lucky enough to have the First Amendment to protect us in these kind of ways that you don't have in other places around the world. Use that privilege. It is a privilege being here in America. So use that privilege of the First Amendment to speak up for what you believe in every single place that you go. If you don't, it's all going to continue to get worse. And do you suggest young people try to get involved in politics and start taking a more active role? You know, it depends. It really depends. I don't necessarily think everyone needs to be, you know, some political junkie going and and, uh, you know, fighting every single battle that that comes across them like me or, you know, someone else like that. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, I also like if if people aren't informed, I tell them don't vote. You know, there's no point to vote if you if you're not informed, you don't actually know what's going on. So um, if you're going to get involved in the political sphere, the most important thing you can do is be informed. Look at both sides. Don't just go on social media for your info. Don't just go and talk to people who already have one point of view. Research both sides. Even if you're a hardcore leftist, you should at least be looking at the conservative side so you can know what we're battling, you know what you're battling against. Everyone should be looking at both sides so that you can actually, you know, decipher your own arguments. Don't ever just sit there in the echo chamber. I, I agree. I think that's valuable advice. And in case somebody hasn't heard of you that's listening, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all are at the Will Wit. That's the Will Wit. Um, you can also go to PragerU.com and watch any of my videos or follow PragerU and my videos come up there too. And and yeah, those are the best places. So at the Will Wit. And anything new you're working on that you want to tell people about? Yeah, this mini documentary, this this one about the the Church of Environmentalism is is coming out hopefully in September. So you guys should definitely be following me so that you know exactly when that's coming out. It's going to be huge. And we hope to make a really big splash with that. If your uh, social media accounts are still not deleted. <laughs> by that, yeah, exactly. By that exactly. Yeah, Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see. Well, awesome. Um, thank you so much for joining me for this kind of quick discussion about you and your viewpoint. So we kind of got both, both things in there. Uh, sorry if it felt rushed. I just wanted to get to as much information as I could on your time frame. And uh, look forward to people checking more of your stuff out and they can get you to, on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook, right? You have a Facebook account. Yes. And and follow more about you and see kind of these projects that you're, you're working on and, and hopefully encourage other young people to step up and 
be a part of the discussion as well. And and not just younger people, but obviously people like me are coming to, into learning a lot about this stuff um, after a lifelong belief system kind of in a different direction. So I love hearing both sides of this and having this discussion. And um, I appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. And, um, and I know our listeners are going to be super happy to have learned a little more about you on this. And maybe we can do this again at another time. I would love to. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Thanks, Will. Take care. You too. And that wraps up our interview with Will Witt, who is a young conservative who has made his name for himself with PragerU and the video content he's created, as well as his own podcast. And now you can see he's working on a second documentary. A lot of you already know him. He's full of energy, has a passion for this. And it's been nice to catch up with him and get to know him a little bit more. And hopefully we can have him back again. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this content today, got to get some information, got to learn a little bit more, and I've got a lot more coming up for you on this season one of What They Aren't Telling You, and I will see you next time.